Hey guys, welcome to the Fuck Around and Find Out podcast. Today we're going to be talking about an apocalyptic type scenario for uh, mycology and setting up some sort of trade and barter system. So basically the scenario is that uh, China has called the dime on American debt and your dollar is not worth anything anymore. You get no more imports from overseas. What you have is what you've got. There's mass ridings, looting, the whole nine yards. There will be no more resupplies. You can't buy anything from Walmart because your dollar is not worth a not worth anything either. It's going to be cheaper to burn it for fuel than to try to buy firewood with it. So that quickly setting up our scenario, if you don't have it, you are not going to be able to get it. So just look around what you've got and figure it out. In this scenario, us and our friends all live together on our little farm, which we're going to call, I don't know, farm-tastic, farm uh, town. Town. Yes, Bartertown. Uh, yeah. Faithfulville, guys. Come on. Yeah, Faithfulville. <laughs> there we go. I like it. Faithfulville. So we're going to live on uh, uh, Apocalypse Faithfulville Farm, and uh, that's it. And that's not too far off from our kind of personal thing, is we're all kind of trying to get together and, and build a little community. So. Let's start off with this. You have only this stuff around you, and you want to set up barter. What are some good barter stuff? I mean, food, medicine, and something. Everybody has always wanted to take a break from reality, right? Throughout history, it's always been something like alcohol, drugs, salt, you know, and so forth. One thing we've got in spades in this podcast is mycology and mycology knowledge. So, our neighbor down the way is making shitty beer, and we are going to make um, all the mycology-related things. <laughs> Let's go. Let's start from uh, we've got some swabs in storage or a print in storage we found in the back of Grandpa's old Bible or something, and we're going to go ahead and start making our, our mycology. All right. Go. <laughs> all right so well first thing you have to do is you're gonna need, we're gonna need to go ahead and have a sterile environment right or clean as sterile as we'll possible a cleaner, yes. a cleaner environment so yeah you know probably not gonna have gas or whatever for like the ovens uh we'll be able it'll to probably things. work for a few months but nobody has any incentive to go to work so if something's broken it, there's no parts coming from china right so right your, mm-hmm. your natural gas is gonna only work as long as the pumps actually operate Right, you know, you can use it. You can add, you can use like a bonfire. I mean, anything that has the heat coming off there. If you had a, a metal box basically on top of a fire, the heat that would come billowing out of there. I think it's a heat stratification. It actually would push all the contaminants up and away from the the opening of that box, and you can just work right there on a grate. I mean, basically. Uh, so explain how. Uh, I don't think people really understand how oven tech works we get people who think that oven tech is just baking everything in an oven and hoping it's sterile like the old old-fashioned wax yeah. sealing canning type stuff <laughs> well uh, they, but oven tech they, is actually like a flow hood right yeah i mean it, it's a it's an old old school flow hood i mean i've actually i hate to say the word shroomery but back to 20 years ago 
uh, that was that was a thing. <laughs> you basically just turn the oven on. I I blare if I were to do it. I would blare blare the heat all the way up. You let the heat up and you set up rack and shelves on both sides of the oven. So on the left side, you have all the work that you're going to do. On the right side, that's where all the completed work is going to go when you're done. All right. So when the oven comes to temp, by the time that happens, you're all set up. You've ISOed everything, <laughs> you know, from your uh, from your ass to uh, to your hands. You open that oven, you and you sit there in front of there. You put on a grate, or uh, you know, I've I've seen people put down, uh, you know, uh, baking sheets, cookie sheets, upside okay, down. Yeah. All right, and uh, you just place you just everything. basically be in that heat but, that's billowing. You basically just want to be in that heat that's billowing out of the oven, right? Because yeah, like when so you, you open the oven, to... you can feel that heat rising. Correct, and as long as you take and you you have stations, you've got the pre and then the working and then the completed. As long as you have a rotation going, you're staying trying to stay clean, but you stay in front of that heated oven um, the whole time that you have anything open. Most important part is when. If anything's open to the environment, you want it in front of that oven because the heat's going to just basically blow everything away. Same thing with the candle. You know, you can have a candle down. If you work around the candle, that will keep all the particles away from it. If you had, Oh, if you just, yeah, like the old school Bunsen burner tech. Yeah, mm-hmm. you can go ahead and do that. I mean, you get, a, you get a good, like, foot, foot and a half from the fire from, like, either a candle or a Bunsen burner to be able to work as long as you're underneath the fire. You know, yeah, so, I mean, that's really good. Yeah, that, I mean, that well, would uh, that would give you a good environment, and uh, it would help you save whatever you had when the shit hit the fan. Really, you know. All right, so what are we using for agar? I mean, we let's just say we do have some pre poured, or um, I say, is this a would, normal person when the shit hits a fan, or is it one of us? Because uh, it's one of us. I mean, come on, I know that I'm listening for to our podcast. Years. <laughs> no. <laughs> It's one of us. Let's because I mean, your average Joe is not gonna like. There's no internet really, so he's not gonna go and uh, like search on how to grow freaking magic mushrooms. So it's got to be somebody that already kind of has an idea and knows what they're doing, right? Right. So it's got to be one of us or one of our listeners, right? As far as agro, first thing, the first thing on my list would be to raid every store I could, get all the unflavored gelatin, all the markets agar. Yeah, but you've got everybody else trying to do that. I mean, at least we're yeah, going well, for weird shit, right? Right. We're not going for baby formula. Right. Maybe less likely to be taken. In the Chinese section of the food stores, agar actually comes in noodle form. You'll be able oh, to grab yeah. agar noodles and just you'll be able to do that or even like yeah. potato dextrose and, you know. I think it used to, it comes in blocks also, doesn't it? The agar? Um, yeah. Yep. The, you're talking about a sheet? Yep. Yeah. So it's it's verified a rating mission for agar. Yeah, but but in a pinch, unflavored gelatin will work. It's just some mycelium will turn it back into liquid as it grows, but it'll get you by. So we're basically going to go, okay, guys, listen, we don't want the diapers. We just want our drug supplies. (laughs) (laughs) Well, with the drug supplies, you'll get all the diapers you want. Yes, and we'll get there. I mean, it's apocalypse. It's ass, gas, or grass, right? But uh, yeah. nobody rides for free. <laughs> you, just, you just gave me an idea for an experiment. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I'm thinking the gel out of diapers and see if a guy can turn it into agar. 
Oh, that's a good idea. Hey, there you go. As long as you add, as long as you add nutrients to it, I think it would work. I mean, it's just that uh, it's just a hydroscopic gel, right? So it's just, right. Yeah. So I mean, it, it as long as you add, work. I think it probably would. It probably has some kind of antifungal things in there. Only I because doubt of it. Diaper. Babies get infections all the yeah. time. I think it. I, I think it can't have anything in there. Um, besides maybe some boric acid, right? Just to lower the pH of it. But uh, I don't think it can have anything in there because who knows what, you know, your little crotch fruit's allergic to. Uh, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and that, you know, that's the, that's the basic premise to most survival situations is look at what you have around you and try and figure out alternate uses for everything. So let's just assume we're doing diaper tech. All right. We just invented this shit right fucking now. And so you've got, you've got a hold of some little, some pampers, the overnight ones. So they have a big gel pack in them. Uh, you rip that shit open, you dump it out. Uh, you're going to, cause it melts. Like I, I've seen that stuff melt uh, in hot water. So you melt it down in hot water. You add your nutrients to it. You pour yourself some diaper tech agar dishes, but you could use any type of jar, any type of container, Shit, old filled containers. Everybody wants something clear so they can see, but you use what you got, right? Yeah, that's a perfect world. Yep. yep. So we've got we've got our we got our agar down. Now we're going to transfer our spores onto our agar. Are we going to use some apocalyptic steel air box? Or are we going to do an oven tech and risk singeing our spores? I mean, I definitely think we could do a apocalyptic still air box that would probably be a good idea right yeah so so how are you going to build that buddy all right so you know i'm going to segue off while we're doing our uh our our diaper tech raid in in agar raid uh and i'm going to go to the hospital and i'm going to grab um i'm going to try to find you know actually a glove box would be nice in there i could just tear the gloves off and work, work out of that but if i can't uh we would get like a uh a baby incubator, right? Yeah. One, one yeah, you know, just just screw the babies. That that just you eat them know, out. Just without the baby in it, right? Because everyone's yeah. and doing all sorts of crazy stuff, right? I heard. I mean, yes. I mean, yeah. let's be honest. Happens. I mean, you know, at least half the people are going to kill themselves being idiots, right? I mean, yeah. let's be honest, right? right? So. The baby incubator. Have you ever seen those things? I've had to move them in my job. Those damn things are like three hundred pounds, bro. They're oh, really, good. really heavy. They're, okay. I mean, there are there are still totes around. Yeah, I mean, there's still totes. We'll get clever and and just to be creative here, I'll say that there are no clear totes in our our general vicinity in our okay. in our um, in Faithoville. So, what about, but there's a uh, Harbor Freight. How about Harbor Freight? Harbor Freight has those uh, those those sandblasting boxes, right? Ooh, They're, that would be rather clever. Let's yes. Yeah, so we go. But aren't those like three hundred pounds too? When they're full of sand, they come, <laughs> they come in like a pretty small box. Like uh, I, you know, you have to assemble them. So I imagine real quick, it, also, do we have electricity currently? Yes, for as long as that's going to last. If we don't, because it's my apocalypse bunker, uh, and I actually do have like seven or eight different ways to generate electricity, we're good. 
as long as we don't try to use an electric oven or something like that. You know, like we have basic electricity. We can run things except for super high drain items. So we can't run like an electric oven and four freezers at the same time, but we can run like the freezers and the air conditioner or, you know, or electric oven by itself. But we do have wood ovens, wood fireplaces, and natural gas, as well as a very large propane, uh, you know, a 20,000-gallon propane tank, so the big ones. Okay. All right. So we're going to go and we're going to grab this this uh, Harbor Freight sandbox. Uh, uh, I'm sorry, uh, blasting box, right? Sanding box, right? So we're going to grab that, and uh, then we're going to, on the way out, grab some LED button lights, you know, the ones you can push button with them. And oh, those were good. And if we can possibly find anything of any value so we could trade the alcohol maker to go get us some some Everclear or some, some moonshine, some white lightning from them, we're going to grab that too. So that way that covers our isopropyl, right, or equivalent to. And uh, we have some lights think, to illuminate our, our still air box that we're making out of this. you think we could get away with using an acid or a really base instead of alcohol? Like something that's super basic or something that's super acidic to sterilize with on the far end of the spectrum is going to kill it. All right. Cause like we could make an almost unlimited amount of lye water or a lime water just from wood ashes and filtering it through um, straw. So it's really, really easy to make uh lye water. Well, right. Uh, and, then, and you could also use the straw afterwards to grow gourmets. Oh, hey, that's a really good point. Or because I mean, your straw's sterile at that point, right? Correct. Yep. It's uh, been, uh, yeah. It's actually a tech for that. So. That's yeah. In the bathtub, the lie tech. Yeah, mm-hmm. I've done that. It's a fucking mess. No, it's not. It's not a perfect world in this situation. <laughs> One out of ten. <laughs> at least Big your is Huge mess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we're gonna make our we're gonna make our lye water to uh, go ahead and do everything. And how we're gonna do that is we're gonna take about six inches of straw, put it in the bottom of a barrel, throw all of our ashes in on top of it, and then run uh, rainwater, so hard water through that, catch out the water that comes out of the bottom, evaporate it off until it floats an egg larger than a quarter above the water, fresh egg larger than a quarter above the water. Um, and that's how you know that your lye is strong enough to make soap with or use for sterilization. So now we have spray bottles full of our lye water, and we're using that to sterilize everything. Except you don't want to sterilize yourself with it. You don't want to spray it yeah, on I your guess hands. That yeah, that's that, gonna that'll take a, nice a layer exfoliation. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> but anything it goes on is gonna die, like because it's gonna break the lipids down on the outside of it. So most of your uh, bacteria, fungi, stuff like that that works as an encapsulated um, little dude, it's, it's going to turn, it's going to saponify, is the $10 word of the day, the uh, fats on the outside of any sort of bacteria or anything else and cause it to pop, and that's how it sterilizes. So we've got our still air box. We've sterilized shit. Go. Shiny, Shining, okay. What? Huh? What are, we gonna, what, 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 are, what are we doing with our still air box now that we have one? Yeah, and it's clean. Okay, so it's clean. We're sterilized. Um, so we're going <laughs> to... 
What are we using for petri dishes? Did we talk about this? Any kind of jar, any kind of glass jar, we can clean with that uh, lye. We got some random Bottom half of a Budweiser bottle. Shit, yeah, we can do that. With a condom (laughs) over the top, and it fucking work. Perfect. Mint. (laughs) The Budweiser rocking condom bottle tech. (laughs) <laughs> All right, so and then we're gonna take so uh we, we had one print, was that what was said? Yeah. Okay, and we do have uh a heat source uh we talked about with the oven tech. We are able to use that oven tech to sterilize things, correct? So like for oh, instance not sterilize, more like pasteurize. Yeah. Pasteurize. Okay, so um could we make some L C could we do some oh, LC yeah. manipulation too? Do we have bees on our property? Of course, my wife has absolutely bees. Yeah. So we're gonna go grab some mm-hmm. honey. We're gonna we're gonna sterilize or past, heavily pasteurize for a long, long, long period of time, to the point where maybe we could sterilize it um, in the well, we oven. Have pressure cookers. I was yeah, gonna say cookers. since it's oh, us, we should be able to put a pressure cooker on the stove. Yeah, I've right. got shit. I've got like we're 10 above of them. a fucking we're good. <laughs> Yeah, mm-hmm. we're good. We got pressure cookers, okay, so we cool. can make our sterile LC. Yeah. So we make some some batches of LC. We get our <laughs> our diaper hack sterilized, ready to go. And uh, agar we're, best gonna, agar. we're gonna go pour some 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 agar jars, some diaper. Agar jars. Holy shit. Best agar. As a, as a side note, I am really going to try this just to see if it works or not. Oh, my oh God. God. Totally. This shit's happening. I've got diapers in the other room. I have a toddler. This shit's happening. Well, there you tonight. go. There you go. It's happening tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit. It's the yeah. stack. Oh, so, yeah. we're going to go ahead. We're going to go ahead. We're going to take our, our print. And we are going to uh, tools. I guess we would have tools, right? We we would have our our, our regular tools, something like a no, scalpel, shiny. or, or a big knife. We don't we don't have tools. You're gonna go out there and you're gonna fucking flint nap us a goddamn scalpel, <laughs> like a like a fucking Aztec. Okay. I'm not gonna lie. I have no experience with that. The tools might be pretty janky. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> you're gonna go flint nap. Use an elk horn. And fucking putting up us some goddamn. But first, you got to kill the elk. All right. Uh, like, I mean, we're going full fucking frontal on this shit. We're going fucking native on this shit. Huh? No, I'm, I'm, have, I'm, have, I'm gonna be taking scalpels. taking transfers with a machete. Yeah. <laughs> Very easy. I'll be, using, I'll be using my butter knife that that I got out the the kitchen drawer. But there we're gonna go. We're gonna. Hey, you know what? We're going to get even super technical about this. We're going to scrape some uh, some of that spore print into a sterilized jar, uh, a sterilized baby food jar of water, and uh, we're gonna we're gonna attempt some serial dilution in this uh, sandblasting uh, still air box. Oh uh, shit! Do we have pipe? Yeah, we're gonna grab the turkey baster. And make sure that that's <laughs> is the is the lie gonna eat the rubber bulb on the turkey baster? I'm not no, super. I want, it should well, no, no, I leave it. Okay, alone. So we're gonna use lie sterilize the uh, the turkey baster, and and we're gonna go ahead and do some serial dilutions uh, of of this spore print we put uh, into our our 
or sterilized water. It sounds like it's getting a little fancy. I'm just going to take and rub, get some spore print on some some diaper agar, the Depends agar tag, because <laughs> I'm just trying to get fruit. I'm not trying to, like, cross it with anything. We have one spore print. We can go pheno hunting later. Okay. Once we get that one going, then we have an unlimited amount after that. True. Yeah. Sorry, we're, 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 we're scraping some spores onto some agar. And, uh, ooh, let's do, uh, are we, we're, we're in a temperate climate, yes? Yeah. Okay, so we don't need to worry about incubation or nothing. Okay, no, yeah. No, we're in Texas. This is America. <laughs> so uh i i had a long freaking walk to get there boys you better have some shrooms ready when i get there not as long I mean, as mine you're dead today. <laughs> he's up there on the border eh mm-hmm. yeah they're in basically southern canada <laughs> <laughs> so but, uh, but anyway if, if the shit hits the fan i'm i'm packing my shit and heading south just so you know hell yeah don't worry about it we got this apocalypse bunker so we're gonna get some spores germinating in our uh, our, our Gerber baby jars of uh, diaper agar, and uh, we're gonna get them going out really good. And uh, we're gonna take our uh, butter knife, go ahead and cut ourselves a couple of transfers off, so we can share with the neighbors, right? Or wait, no, they're not. They're not. Oh, skilled. fuck them! Fuck, yeah. fuck the neighbors! <laughs> trying to get booze and shit. And we're all not that trying. No, no, we no, we don't share. We don't share. You don't share mm-hmm. source. We were bargaining. Only the fruit. They get the don't fruit. They don't get the agar. Yeah, they you, you keep the seed. You okay. give them the apple. You yeah. gotta keep exactly. the fruit. You keep the seed. You give them the apple. That's fucking beautiful. Like that. <laughs> <laughs> That's going on a t-shirt. <laughs> I mean, All right. That's just general dating, right? Just yeah. that's what condoms, that's what condoms <laughs> are for. <laughs> uh, condoms are for people who don't want to have kids. Where's the goat noise? Where's the goat noise? <laughs> yeah, I, did, I just did it, but you, I forgot I muted it. Oh. <laughs> 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 The goat bleat. <laughs> Dude, when you listen, when you posted that picture of the goat guy, that shit, I'm not lying to you, had me crying. I was laughing. <laughs> that was hilarious. I'll put oh. the goat bleat. I'll put the goat bleat guy as the, the picture for this episode. Nice. <laughs> yeah. They're the first ones to die, anyways. <laughs> exactly. Okay. <laughs> But so uh, we 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 went ahead and uh, we put a bunch of spores onto some glass jars of diaper agar, and only about one third of them actually germinated without contaminating the whole fucking thing. Wait a second, we're not playing Dungeons and Dragons. My <laughs> <laughs> diaper jar has ten HP. I was going to mention that in, in this situation, you're going to want to make twice as much of everything that you think you're going to need. Just oh, for situations like that, much. at least twice as much. It's going to be accuracy by volume. Yep, shotgun method. Yeah. All right, so, so we're ready for we're ready for some uh, somewhere to put the uh, 
the colonized agar plates. I'm thinking that the best way to do that would be LC, liquid culture, right? So we can use honey for it. We can use grain water for it, like if we're rinsing out our rice and stuff like that. Uh, but we're not going to be able to actually use the grain for spawn. We have more important things to do with that, like turning it into chicken eggs, turning it into human food, turning it into anything else, right? Uh, yeah. Then wasting a shitload of grain on making mushrooms. Unless we've worked out a trade with Farmer Joe and we just have a ton of stuff left over. There's way more important things to do with grain. As grain's only a, a once a year thing or a twice a year thing, right? Right. Like, we definitely need to go ahead and very, make sure we uh, allot a, some. It's going to be yeah, a very so, valuable commodity in that kind of situation because they're not going to have tractors to farm it anymore either. Yeah. So I'm thinking like uh, a liquid culture is going to be the best way to go. Uh, and we can make a shitload of liquid culture for very, very easy and very, very cheap as far as calorie-wise goes. Because it's just a few percentages of sugar, right? percent. Uh, yeah. So you're not – it's not It's not taking your entire year's worth of honey harvest. It's taking a spoonful of honey out of a gallon, you know? Yeah. So uh, you've got – yeah, a spoonful of sugar. But uh, – so we've got our liquid culture. Liquid culture is rapidly, uh, rapidly expanding, and now we need to put it on something, but we're not going to be able to do grain. And that's where, like, a nutritional-type substrate comes in. We've got our animals uh, on our little farm. We have our uh, goats, as has already been demonstrated by their screaming. We have <laughs> our chickens. Uh, and then we have everything else that might be living in the area. We are living in a very rural area, so we have wild critters. We also keep meat rabbits because meat rabbits are extremely efficient animals. They breed like rabbits, and they make uh, amazing <laughs> fertilizer as well as furs that we can use for our super sexy loincloths um, and <laughs> meat. So I guess we could probably use, you know, rabbit pellets. They dry. They dry really hard. Uh, and if you've ever seen rabbit pellets just left alone for even just a little while, those little bitches mold like a mofo, right? Yeah, I would agree so, with that, yes. Yeah, and they're like, I think, aren't they like a 4-4-4 four, 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 uh, fertilizer or something? Like a pretty rounded, but won't burn plants, right? So no, I, I think you put as much yeah. of that shit as you want in your garden. It won't do anything because it'll yeah, it doesn't burn any plants. Yeah, it doesn't yeah, burn. Yeah, I, I mean, I know I do. I did it last year. It didn't burn any of my plants in my garden. Yeah, so let's say <laughs> let's say that we're gonna we're gonna add uh, we're gonna go to the backyard and we're just gonna take some scissors or you know your children or something like that and have them chop up a bunch of the tall grass, anything that your your animals won't eat. So like the actual stems of the grass. That's basically wild straw or wild hay. We're going to go and we're going to chop that up. We're going to mix it with a rabbit poo. We're going to, you might even end up having to pee on it a little bit. Let it, let it compost down a little bit. I got that. Um, yeah, no problem. <laughs> we're man. We can, we can directionally pee as much as we want. Um, and so we're going to take that now after it's composted a little bit. And we're going to uh, make our substrate out of it. So we've got just leaves, tiny sticks, twigs, animal waste. You know, your, 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 you can even use deer poo, that kind of stuff. Uh, as long, as, it as, long as they don't eat meat. Yeah, yes. any ruminant animal eats, eats vegetables. Yeah. 
Yeah, you definitely don't want to use like cat or dog, especially dog poo, uh, because dogs have lived with humans for so long, they can get the same diseases that we get, including the flu, right? So it's something we definitely want to stay away from. Uh, and we've now taken our substrate. We have packed it into any sort of container we can find. Uh, there's a lot of, let's say we don't have bags, right? So we're going to have to actually just pasteurize this. Um, uh, burning a large, I have a bunch of metal, 55-gallon drums. It probably wouldn't be too hard to put one of those on a fire, build up around it, bring you know, 20 gallons of water to a boil, and then dump in a bunch of substrate, just boil the shit out of it, right? Yeah. And then, then strain it. Uh, I would use like uh, maybe uh, I have these big, uh, basically they're strainer buckets that are made for making Asian food, like in bulk. They're on a the big fly, stick. The big fly things. They're like a fly yeah. Fly. They look like fly things, but they're these are quite large. We use them to like. Uh, you mean the spiders? Basic. No, the, they're they're actually designed for Asians. They cover their food with them when they're outside. They're a giant. Yeah. Stra- uh, strainer looking thing. Yeah. We talked about that a couple weeks ago, I thought. on the Discord. We were, but I don't think we talked about that in um, in chat. So, uh, or inside of our last podcast. So I'm taking and I'm straining out this substrate, but I'm just going to put it on that uh, one-eighth inch hardwire mesh, you know? And maybe in the bottom of a cooler so that it just it, it can strain out a little bit of the liquid over time, but stay hot. But I'm going to take my substrate and probably just honestly fruit it in that cooler that I put it in, you know. It might have a little standoff on the bottom where there's some water underneath it, but it's going to be have that hard wire mesh between it and the water. You could probably use jar lids, rocks even, that kind of stuff. But it should be pasteurized if not sterile, inside of there. Yeah, because right? we're not going to be able to do what we normally do. Yeah. I think whatever we actually cook it in, pasteurize it in, should probably be the fruiting chamber itself. That that's what I'm thinking. And that's why I was like... Any, anytime you that... move it or touch it, you're just making more vectors to fuck it up. That's why you could have that layer of water in the bottom, uh, just because it's clean water. It came, you know, it's hot as hell. It was boiled for however many hours and it's in the bottom of your uh your container so it's just bringing the relative humidity in that container up so we got our substrate we're going to just pour i guess because there's a way for the liquid to the excess liquid to get out is by filtering through the substrate into the bottom and just pour some liquid culture on top of it close the fucking lid and pray i think that (laughs) works there's a really, really, really good chance you're going to get some fruit. Do you remember the what the bucket we did? Like, oh, yeah. and we just literally took a bunch of random agar dishes, unpasteurized, just substrate directly from the freaking bag. Like, I just had a bag of compost that I bought from the store. I just took a handful of compost, bunch of dishes I wanted to get rid of, handful of compost, bunch of dishes I want to get rid of, and just stacked that up in there, tied it up in a garbage bag and left it outside. And it fruited like a mofo. Um, what do we get out of that? We got, we got what the what, bucket? We got feral tits. tits? 
Oh, and, dude. Uh, some amazing phenos we got out of there. Tits is amazing. We've talked about it before. Extremely yeah. aggressive. Great, huge, the golden teacher kind of looking fruits with a little nipple on top and super potent. So we're going to go kind of along that same way. You could probably even use garbage bags and just fill them full of substrate, tie the top, and set them out just under a table. It seems that something magical happens with uh, the outdoors and the temperature fluctuations and the amount of fresh air that they get. You mean nature? (laughs) Yeah. There's something magical that happens in nature that that prohibits or um, reduces the amount of contamination. Only the strong would survive in nature, so only the the best genetics are gonna are actually gonna provide fruit. But I've never had I've never had trick in a container that was outside, right? That had the temperature fluctuations and the amount of fresh air that comes from outside. And I don't know if that's just because it doesn't like air movement. Um maybe. I'm trying to think if I've drinking anything outside. A lot of things in the the natural world are a mystery still. That's messed up. Yeah. I don't think I've ever seen track outside. Yeah, exactly. I've never seen trick outside. I've seen all sorts of crazy shit outside. I've had various contaminants outside, but uh, like my most common contaminant that I've had outside is that uh, uh, inky cap mushroom. Right. Oh yeah. One, the that's. Oh, Those are, uh, we're about to get a goat bleat, but uh, non-gourmet mushroom. (laughs) Yeah, those are, they're amazing. So one thing the inky cat mushroom does is it makes you uh, temporarily allergic to alcohol. I bet you say talking about that. Like violently allergic Uh, to alcohol. Contact me if you need any spores. I have have some for those. (laughs) They grow... If you get hay wet and add nitrogen to it, like human urine or something, and it's outside in the southern United States, it's going to grow inky cap. Uh, but, man, they are I edible, take that though. stuff and go. Oh, they're great. For yeah, like as long as you don't. They're, <laughs> no, they're perfectly fine as long as you don't have alcohol in your system. That means the day before, the day of, or the day after, right? Anytime you have any mm-hmm. sort of ethanol in your system, it makes you violently ill. Puke your guts out. See your toenails come out your freaking nose. Just immediately violently ill. It is my favorite mushroom to dry and add to the coffee pot at AA meetings. Oh. <laughs> and it's it's like, you're lying. You're, oh, theoretically. Yeah, totally, totally theoretically. <laughs> it's not something I would ever do. I mean, yeah. <laughs> Anyway, is it really so a salt? Have... If... <laughs> <laughs> Let's not discuss the the legalities of anything on this show, okay? I think we've, we're yes, a little bit past yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> right, we're that we exist in the gray area. But uh, yeah, so that's not yeah, the only yeah, Trim, thing see, we're here with you, buddy. Ever had was uh, uh, oh, what, and what's Gorm- that, Lament? And gourmets. <laughs> yeah. All right. So you guys got gourmets some fruit will, then? If you're growing gourmets, if you're growing gourmets, they will infect everything next to them. 
So, like, you can't oh grow God. your magics outside, your actives outside, and have, like, next to them lion's mane or, or uh, you know, Oysters. especially pink oyster next to them outside because it will just infect the living shit out of your, your active grow. They're super pathogenic. They'll affect everything. You know what? Actually, that, that brings up a question. Uh, we had a question in the Discord where someone actually asked if we can grow, uh, if they can grow their uh, fruit by marijuana in the same room. I remember you having an issue one time with uh, with your uh, citrus plants. Yeah. So, the, trick. Love yes. is great for plants. It's great for plants. It's one of the mycorrhizae that, that helps the nitrogen fixation, and it helps with Oh man, breaking down nutrients and plants really, 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 really love it. But it is not good for growing any sort of mushrooms. Yeah, it's, it's it, it is best I would love not to make them if you can help it. Don't they add trick cultures to certain potting soils for like yes, at, like yes, they some, do, yeah. and they, some core and fertilizers. Certain organic fertilizers have it. I know you. I know they send it in a little packet. With uh, when you plant peas and stuff like that, the little packet you're supposed to mix up in water and then pour over your your seeds. Mm-hmm. But that's trick. Yep. Up up here in farm country, they actually spray trick out of airplanes onto the fields. On purpose. oh, they do that. They do that yeah. here, not far from us. For no peanuts. wonder you're always growing green, Trim. Yep. <laughs> He's like this right underneath the goddamn runway. <laughs> Just about. Yeah. It's, okay. it's horrible. So we have our fruits. Uh, who is handling the drying of the fruit? Well, that's where I came in. I finally finished my four thousand mile walk, and I got to your house just as <laughs> you got me some. You got some fruits ready. I have so, some cold beer ready for you too. <laughs> so the first thing I'm going to do is assess our situation. I want to see what the weather's like. If the weather's colder. And we're heating inside with a wood stove. I'm just going to throw the fruits in a cardboard box with a couple of holes in it on a shelf near the oven. Not not directly in the heat, but near it, and just let them air dry. Um, if it's hotter out, I got a couple of choices there. I can either build a cheap solar oven using some windows out of an old building and a, and a wooden box with a metal cover just underneath the windows so they're not getting direct light on the mushrooms. That's another option. And in the summer, you can pull the, the cover off and use that as a solar oven. Or a solar dehydrator. Or, yeah, a solar oven, solar dehydrator. The dehydrator, the only difference between it is you have underneath your, your light source for your windows, you're going to have a metal plate to keep the light off the actual food. So it's just going to heat it up without actually getting light on it. Nice. Um, but if we're really in a hurry and we're basic as we need to be, I'm just going to get that same cardboard box with a few holes in it, and I'm just going to fill it with fruit, and throw it inside of a car and shut the door. <laughs> oh, yeah, there'll probably be plenty of cars just sitting around. A yep. car, that's genius, man. Like, that's a really good idea, because a car is basically just a really shitty freaking greenhouse just sitting there. I was going to say, tear that whole, everything on the inside of that car out. Basically, you have little fucking uh, tents all over the place. Yep, you have a nice oh, hot, shit. hot spot. That's a great idea. You can control the airflow by rolling up and down the fucking windows. Right? Yeah. Damn it, Trim. I'm sorry I'm a genius. I can't help it. That's fucking good shit. I like it. <laughs> That's happening. 
Nice. That'd be one hell of a novelty grow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know I mean, you, truck, you, you, make a, you can make one of those draw beds in the back. The 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 big outside beds. Oh yeah, no, a huge freaking bed just on the floorboard. If you take out all the everything, yeah, but you'd yeah, only I mean, be good. It'd only be good in Texas for like in the fall, the winter. Uh, like right now, it'd be great. Uh, but uh, yeah, it gets a little warm down here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it would be good as an early season uh, seed starting place too. Oh, we'd be able to do with the that's I really like that idea. We'd be able to do grow year round then, like without mm-hmm. a problem, because we could just heat. We could even heat the damn car with just like rocks we took from the fire and just open the freaking window or door or whatever and just set them in there, and they'll just or give off heat. of water, and you throw the yeah. rocks in the water that would evaporate the water and turn into a humid mess. Yeah, oh, or a, 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 roll, a roll of toilet paper in a quart paint can and fill it full of ethanol and light that on fire. You gotta don't you burn the toilet paper, yeah, dude. That's just worth <laughs> some money. You're not doing the toilet paper torch because I ain't gonna make toilet paper. It's a bitch to make. <laughs> That's what the poison ivy leaves are for. <laughs> <laughs> Anything's toilet paper if you're brave enough. <laughs> All mushrooms are edible once. <laughs> All right. So what are we doing? How are we going to be able to market this to your regular everyday apocalypse survivor? Ooh, I, that's that's the problem. So we have we now have our fruit. Sick. We have our dried fruit. Sick of reality. That's a lot of break. <laughs> yeah, if, but are, are we as a group still? Yeah, well, I mean, you didn't divorce us. You're fucking married to us, right? Okay, well, my my thought is we go as a group to uh, do our marketing. Most guys hang back; one guy does the trading. And if things go yeah. south, you got you got protection. <laughs> what kind of stuff are we wanting to trade for it? I mean, um, it's there's that not... guy with the need down the way we were talking about earlier. Yeah, I guess we could just try yeah. to trade up. Well, right. Yeah. Really I guess we don't even need that fucking guy, right? Yeah, well, what what does he have that we need? That's about the only thing, really. Right. Yeah. Because the problem with it is, is that I see the only problem I see is that the duration of the effect, right? Like it's not a short duration effect. So people might need like kind of a safe spot to do it. I don't know if we could build like a teepee or something out there and just like. You're talking about having therapy sessions. Yeah, but I don't know if I want to really get into babysitting everybody in Apocalypse. What right. if we I mean, what if we go to military like people as it is, let alone when the shit hits the fan? Or something, that would be cool. To do what, bud? Uh, no, I was saying, why don't we, uh, you know, dose some uh, military personnel who are probably cruising around and uh, get some uh, some firearms and some ammunition. Well, I wouldn't probably dose in comms and whatever else they got on them. I probably wouldn't dose them with psycho, uh, you know, like psychedelics. (laughs) That'd probably be a bad idea. I'm just saying. I mean, I I don't want them to be. Yeah. (laughs) Remember what happens when the Vikings took mushrooms? Okay. Yeah, I like. I'm sitting here like I don't really want their like reflexes to be sharper. <laughs> I didn't take that out too well. Sorry, my bad. <laughs> and notice, and notice patterns. I really don't. I really don't think that's a good idea. <laughs> yeah, the Viking. The Vikings never took mushrooms to trade. 
Yeah. All right, what's the trade value on them? All right, they're not an analgesic, so we can't just use them to do surgery because that would a surgery on uh, psychedelic mushrooms would probably be the living embodiment of hell, right? Right. Like, you're going to fill everything 3,000 times more. So really, they're only a recreational type thing. Recreation, right? well, possibly well, a recreational. Depression. But if we're growing those kind of mushrooms, doesn't mean that we can't be growing lines, main arishi, because the, what we need to grow those is far more accessible than what is used for, you know, to for magic fruit. I mean, right. so basically you're doing that all together, and you put together teas and stuff, and they are tinctures that help people with, you know, depression and sleep. That is medicine. Yeah, you'd almost feel like an apothecary. Yeah, I know that. I know that you can repasteurize uh, your active grow medium, and then very successfully grow uh, your medicinals and your gourmet on that substrate because they're a secondary composter. Oh, right. Where, yeah. Whereas, like your actives are a primary composter, and your medicinals are a secondary composter. They wait for something to be wrong with the tree, or the something you know to start already be broken down before they colonize. Oh so. shit! I learned something today. <laughs> See, we could reuse all of our substrate. We just re-inoculate it with like pink oysters or something because that shit's that yeah, shit's like a like glitter. It gets everywhere once you let it out. Oh, right. you open up your tent and there's clouds of spores in there. It's horrible. Yeah. I had a And they're pink and they're everywhere. I had a wooden chair in my grow tent holding my uh my tub for my humidifier. I didn't think about it. I went in there one day and I looked at the back of the chair and there were oysters growing out of the wooden chair. It was crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, that's hilarious. I just found a cardboard box that I had a bunch of like cut and grow bags in that I'd forgotten about uh, in the other room, in the storage room. And I was like, hey, it smells kind of like mushrooms. I was like, oh, fuck. And so I went over to the cardboard box and I had these beautiful trumpets. (laughs) They grew through the filter patch out over the top of the freaking box and out. And it's like 12% fucking humidity, right? Like there's so little humidity in there. And they're just fine. They just grew. They're big, like fist-sized trumpet mushrooms. I was impressed. I was impressed. Right. So we've traded off of our we traded off our stuff and now how are you gonna do something like pheno hunting in or how would you how would you go about you're gonna use your still airbox again to make more spore prints? Or are you going to try to do find your best one and go to a liquid culture again? Like you would, I, I, like in, or clone I it again with the best that. bet is to go ahead and find your best fruit that you want. And that, or not even the best one. I think for, for our purposes, you'd be needing to go for clusters because you want to make sure that you're getting uh, full canopies. Yeah, so if you're quantity. taking tissue samples from a cluster, and then um, and is I that, put that right to green. And is that how the regular average everyday person goes and tries to look for canopies is by cloning clusters that they're growing, right? Not just clusters that they got from across the United States or somebody else's culture because their growing conditions might be different where they're at. 
Does that make right, sense? Whatever you want. Yes. You want whatever works best for your setup. You want to do your clusters from that because you're going to be doing your same. You're going to be doing your game every Sunday. You know, you're not going to, you don't do theirs, you know, their bag, they, the mixture could be different. The humidity is different. So the best fruit in that bag is going to be completely different than the fruit in trim's bag. It's going to be right. brown, not green. It's going to it's, it's going to be, but you, you want to make tell sure the difference. like a grayish tint. <laughs> sure, you, you would also want to do your due diligence and you definitely would want to collect some spores as well. Oh, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. You would want to continue to are acclimated to your, your environment. Yep. Correct. Now, oh, yeah. once you continue to continue to collect spores from the clusters you grow from the spores, the previous spores, you know, after after a little bit, you're going to have something that's stabilized, and you can put that away. And if you happen to lose, you know, we get a heat wave or a bucket freezes and, and snows in our temperate climate out of you know some weird shit because the world's different now. Whatever, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah, and and on our first run to the supply station, we're grabbing all the duct tape and aluminum foil we can get our hands on. Okay, like, what for? Oh, what are you making? Well, duct tape for everything. You can make anything. <laughs> yeah, but but aluminum foil. I'm gonna make a our, new world order with that duct tape. <laughs> but the, the aluminum foil is just really handy. It's good for making spore prints. It's good for sealing things in a pinch. It conforms to whatever you put it on. It's just really handy stuff, and it would be hard to get later on. I see a lot of people making spore prints on uh, paper, and it irks the shit out of me. You know what? Uh, though it works. But it's not a long-term thing because if, if that gets any kind of moisture on it whatsoever, it'll eat the damn paper. Yeah. Yeah. But it's not going to get very far. <laughs> right, yeah. It just eats the paper and dies. I mean, I, I don't, I, I'm trying not to get into that new show, but the one we, we all know what show I'm talking about. Yeah. Right? The Last of Us. We can talk about it. Everybody fucking okay. loves that show. The, the, you know, the, the smart prepper guy, the first thing he did once he got rid of everybody in the house in the town he went and collected supplies he went all through his town and he collected everything he could that oh, yeah. that's brilliant right well there. in this situation i mean not everybody's died there's yeah, no we, major plague they're right. uh the only reason they're dying is because they've run out of medicine or they've died in a uh looting situation or a riot right there like there's going to be riots so if that happens because people oh, cannot yeah. survive they're they're going to be hungry in a hurry Three days, buddy. You only got three days worth of supplies at your average store. Uh, it's bad. All right. So we have taken, we've traded, and we're now trying to try to pheno hunt our best mushroom. How many generations do you think it takes the average person who's growing out to grow something? that is adapted to their specific environment. Well, you know what you can do if you, if you had jars, like we would have tons of jars. If you uh, went ahead and uh, you get one jar, it's going to be from a spore print. That's what uh, we used to do back in the day. You go ahead and you uh, start one jar. Now that jar grows out. It's kind of like what I did with you guys with monstrosity. You get one jar of, of uh, multi-spores. Now, once that's colonized, you, you do break and shake, but you, now you split it up into a few more jars. 
now you're separating different different not strains but different uh phenomes in each jar you know you're gonna have multiple different cultures whichever jar grows best that's the strongest one usually so you would take that one and now that one in the four it's kind of like um taking out wedges off a plate but caveman style you know what i mean yeah that makes sense and uh that's what i did back in the day and my ecuador was uh <laughs> it was it was a full canopy every time every time three times what's your, what's your average our average listener going to be able to do in order to phenol hunt on their own uh even if it isn't shit hit the fan are they going to be able to do something similar to that or are they going to just grow out and look for the clusters look for the biggest fruit um look for the fastest growing or the fastest to colonize. What makes something worth saving in your eyes? You know what? What the speed is obviously you know important, but size matters. I don't care what anybody says. Oh, All right, guys, the size matters. You're a but, size queen. But it also, I mean, ever you have um, you know, the the looks. I mean, honestly, we only give a shit about the looks. <laughs> You know, I'm 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 a fucking crazy person. I know you guys are too. You want the, I want something that looks like a turned out fucking prostitute on fucking Main Street after a gangbang. That's the kind of mustard I, that I want to see. I want some <laughs> kind of nasty, destructive fucking force of nature, size and, of a baby's arm. Yep, right. <laughs> <laughs> I just I just want something so fucked up, it's beautiful. You know, that's what yeah. I look for. And, and that's really fun in a normal environment, but if we're apocalypsing everything, we're going to want to just go for the most productive, right? Right. We're going to want speed and size and speed. All right. Are we going to try to? Um, how would you store those fruits long term? Like, because I mean, you're not you're not going to have everybody's not going to want to be like do your mushrooms like every day, right? So you're going to have to store some of them. Are you going to, how would you store them without, with limited space? Are you going to try to make like blue honey? Are you going to try to store them in jars? How are you going to make a desiccant? That kind of stuff. Shit. Well, desiccant, we could just make that by throwing some Epsom salt. If we have any of that, you know, on a fire, 450 degrees for five hours. That'll turn Epsom salt into a fucking perfect uh, desiccant, you know, immediately. Oh, oh yeah, if you don't, uh, if you throw that in the oven, it'll take all the moisture out. It'll turn it into one big huge brick. And while it's still hot, you need to put it into an airtight uh, compartment because as soon as you open up and it's exposed to any moisture in the air, uh, it sucks it out. Matter of fact, uh, back in the day, that's was how I. I did my dries is I would go ahead and use pressure cooker. I would throw desiccant on the bottom. And then I would take one of those, uh, paper plate. Um, the things that you they put the paper plates in, they're like the frames, the plastic yeah. Uh, holders. Yeah. 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 Upside down on top of that inside of the, uh, pressure cooker. And then I would just fill it with all the, the fruit, close the pressure oh. cooker. So everything in that pressure cooker, all the moisture gets absorbed. Kind of like when you put a piece of bread in with cookies. Yeah. Bread gets really hard and all the cookies. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You, you can even do that on a smaller scale with Tupperware, even. 
you know, chunk yep. of extra salt, fruit. That's an option. Smart. I like it. Yeah. Beautiful. Look over that shit. Yeah. What would be some uses for the magic mushrooms, though, if we had an excess of them? <laughs> like besides, <laughs> besides just you know, like hey, here, oh. eat this. It's a great pickup line. Yeah. Um, micro micro dosing to help with can all I, the stress of the situation people will be in. Can I put oh, something yeah. in your mouth? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, surprise! Yeah. But uh, no, I mean micro dosing in a shit hit the fan type scenario that could be quite useful. You get especially a person on guard duty. You get yep. somebody who's way alert and looking for patterns, and everything is shiny and bright. As long as you don't give them like a moderate dose, and they just stare yeah. at the fucking sun and hear bluebirds <laughs> that aren't there, right? Mm-hmm. right. <laughs> like watch passing, watch passing clouds and looking for fucking Jesus in them, they're yeah. gonna be fine. Uh, but microdosing would probably be pretty helpful, especially you know you've got depression issues. Um, that's definitely going to be a problem. You think it would be? What is it? The percentage? Almost what? Forty-eight percent of Americans are on some sort of antidepressant. I think it's right? more than that, honestly. Yeah. Uh, that was the last statistic that I read, but I think the study was like a twenty-twelve. Uh, but let's just well, say a huge portion of people are on on some sort of SSRI, the serotonin selective reuptake inhibitors. Uh, and those are what they call also trip killers. You don't want to take SSRIs and uh, mushrooms because they just inhibit the ability of the dopamine to reach your brain cells. So do you think it would be possible to take some of those? Like say if you had like a really depressed um, significant other that you loved and didn't want to just trade up for, uh, that you <laughs> – <laughs> Uh, my wife's going to punch me in the face. Uh, that if you had one and you uh, you think it would be possible to come up with a regimen using your apocalypse uh, diaper tech mushrooms to keep that person sane and steady. Absolutely. I know that. I know that works. I know for a fact that it works. It, it They already keep me sane and steady. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, you've I mean, also I'm not quite also, sane, but I'm definitely steady. Yeah. <laughs> you're also setting yourself up for uh, being like the local. You remember, like the old timey, the barber used to be the guy who would also prescribe all the meds and everything, right? I think yeah, they and called, also call them bloodletting. I think they call them yeah, the apothecary or something. Yeah, so we're setting ourselves up to be the apothecary. Uh, I know that mushrooms <laughs> have been used to treat the magic kind. Have been used to treat. Uh, uh, cluster headaches, migraines, that kind of stuff, extremely successfully. Right. And they're actually doing studies on turning just like out a psilocybin-based treatment in a pill form for They've that. actually crystallized it. I, I actually have a, a good buddy of mine that I work with, and uh, I've, been ta- I've been talking to him for years. He suffers from cluster headaches. Like He actually like, misses a lot of work from it and shit. I mean, it, it sucks, man. Uh, I've seen him going through it, dude. And but anyway, uh, I I was telling him I was like, look, man, there's some stuff going on. Like you know, psilocybin is is a you know 
known preventative. It's it's finally starting to be acknowledged. And he's like, oh, I don't know. You know, he's in his 60s, and, you know, he ain't really partied since, you know, the 80s, I guess, or whatever it is. Anyway, um, yeah, uh, he, he hasn't had cluster headaches in, like, a year and a half. He finally, like, was like, hey, well, I finally, you know, I watched that thing you sent me, and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, I was talking to the wife, and she said that uh, maybe that would be a viable thing and you know i helped him out and bust him with some stuff and you know it's it's he hasn't had a cluster headache in, in a long time i mean now that's not 100 percent effective it really isn't you know it only works and i believe about 80 percent of people from last study that i saw on it but um, that's a huge percentage that's, though that's right, four out of right. five people <laughs> and, and the treatments that's, before that were like an oxygen tank and they're like good luck you know yeah um, well they, they do is like things like like keppra and other anti-seizure medications for that. And uh, those would have like, you know, 35 fucking percent or 40 percent effective. And they just shoot somebody up with a shitload of Toradol, which is, you know, like a non-opioid anti-inflammatory. It's like a really powerful Motrin. And uh, put them in a dark place, give them some freaking oxygen, maybe give them an anti-seizure medicine and go, best of luck, buddy. And, uh, now they're looking at using the psilocybin as a kind of a emergent first line medication to stop the cluster headaches. Right. I mean, I, isn't it, I mean, isn't that, uh, that's totally amazing. And it blows my mind, you know, and I find it funny because um, this was, you know, talked about a lot years and years ago in, uh, in, in our community, if you will. And, uh, but it wasn't really acknowledged by mainstream science till recently. And I think that's just amazing. You know, it sometimes takes them a while to catch up. Oh, for sure. I mean, the war on drugs and the, the miss, the unfortunate misscheduling of so much shit, you know, and well, listen, and, the, the biggest know, problem yeah. is big pharma. The only way that it is ever going to be legalized, like to the point where all over the place, is when big pharma gets involved. Nobody wants that to happen, but the only people that are lobbying and giving money to the people that could actually make those decisions is big pharma. <laughs> you know, well, big so, pharma is the people that are paying for all the research being done. So unfortunately, they get granted the patents on shit. Like exactly all the psilocybin tests that they've been doing, all the clinical trials and shit. It's not with fruit bodies. It's with lab-made synthetic psilocybin only no biocystin yeah. no none of that shit and so you better believe bet your ass 100 percent that if and when if it ever goes federal what is going to be federally legal is going to be synthetic psilocybin as the medication that's what's going to be accepted and it's because that's what they can have a patent on and they can make all their money back and that's well listen they, they I, I see it like this i mean get get it in the door is going to be through big pharma now, but also I think just following the same route that, uh, you know, cannabis did, you know, now we know the route that we need to take it. Hopefully it'll go a lot smoother than cannabis. You won't have all those early raids on early stores, you know, but uh, I don't know. It's, you don't, you don't really see people being able to trip daily. You can't. You can't. You literally can't do that. You grow way, way too fast of a, a resistance the to it. The tolerance um, 
I believe it doubles every every day. So by, you take say say you took five, you know, by the end of the week, <laughs> you know, you're 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 eating you're eating a wheelbarrow. Sure. Yep. Yeah. But yeah. at a clinical level, uh, the small doses of it, like uh, micro doses and stuff like that, do have the effect, but they don't have the uh, like auditory and hallucinatory effects. As long as you stay under that level, you can yeah. do it five days in a row. You can do it even longer than that. The problem is the receptors, they also need a break. So I, I believe... I mean, it's it changes all the time. I, in the beginning, it used to be one day on, one day off. And then I've heard some where I did it for two weeks and I took a week off. Now it's pretty much, you know, I do it during a week and I take off on the weekends. So you know, I'll be I honest. Whatever you, works for you, you know what I mean? Yeah, so I'll be honest with you. Currently, I mean, because I've tried uh, both protocols that are mostly well-known, the Fatiman and the Stamets. Uh, protocols or whatever and one's one every third day and the other one's five days in a row two days off um the one has a stack it's like nice uh, anyway it's uh here nor there where i'm currently at and where i found myself is because it's not something i have to take constantly you know it's not some eh, methadone if you will you get off heroin or opiates and you know hey we're gonna just keep dosing you this methadone it's not something that you have to continually do so i I take i frequently take month breaks and after this last one um i i really i only take it you know i take it intermittently you know i'll take it for a couple days and it's to the point where I, i stop and then i wait till i start getting triggers you know i was talking you know i do so it's kind of like a refresher things. for you correct and i just listen to myself i'm able to be a little bit more self-aware that hey i'm being triggered in maybe uh, a, a manic episode where i'm going to be staying up really late and you know i get really obsessive about shit and you know it throws me whack and the counter of that is you know i get really depressed and i don't want to get up you know when i crash from that and so when I start to see those behavioral patterns, which they're nowhere near as severe as they used to be when I was unmedicated and, and or not taking um, the microdoses, right? So my right. my peaks and valleys are, are are way less severe, but when I start noticing them happening, it's like, oh, maybe I need to go on a little regimen. You know, I'll take them for a couple of weeks, and then you know, but I notice it 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 really dissipates fairly quickly, you know. So. Um, that's my that's experience. I mean, they're small. The small doses they make permanent change. Absolutely, absolutely, they do. But uh, I think I think there's a lot to it to be able to kind of barometer your oneself because I don't think it's it's almost like <clears throat> there's a discussion. I think it might have been in our Discord uh, recently about recipes, or maybe it was. Maybe, maybe fairly, you're talking about it on Geeky's podcast or something. But about recipes, everyone wants to stick to this specific recipe. And it's like, I think with this, it's not a traditional medicine that, you know, has to be prescribed. Oh, you got to take this three times a day because, like, no, take it when you feel like you need it. You know, when I first started microdosing, I, I, I was very regimented about it. You know, I would do two months on, a month off, two months on, a month off. And I tried it for like six months straight doing the other, other, you know, and it's, I find now that if I just listen to myself, 
and I'm able to acknowledge and I'm aware of like how I'm feeling and actually acknowledging those, you know, Hey, you know, and uh, it gives me the ability to do something about it without being abusive or stuck to a habitual habit of taking it. If that makes sense. Right. That, that, that's also the good thing about the fruit is it's hard to, that, that you can't be habitual, <laughs> you know, there's no, you know, yeah. If you overdo so, it, it stops you itself. That's for yeah, sure. Yeah, there, I don't yeah. think there's, there's never, there's never been an overdose on psilocybin. There's been, there was one that they call that in like Europe, the UK, where they went ahead and they took magic mushrooms and then they went swimming in the fucking lock. So they drowned. So they blamed it. <laughs> you know, I'm not that it's probably not the best to do physical activities on a freaking shitload of mushrooms. Oh, yeah. You know, right. but there's, but, you know, that's not, pretty much anything. Fun. Yeah. Don't operate heavy machinery. Don't go out driving on the Autobahn. Hold Don't on, wait, minute, wait a minute. I gotta, I gotta share this. Uh, the wife <laughs> and I, some friends of mine from high school, went up to Georgia last July. Right, we went up to the Blue Ridge Mountains up by Tennessee or stuff that that northern border of Georgia. Um, it was phenomenal. Now I've never driven in mountains before. Okay, so I was a little. Uh, intimidated at first the first day when we're driving up to the cabin at the very top of one of these mountains and uh so the next day i I actually brought a bunch of of little well they were kind of like mini doses i guess you will i capsuled up and uh so i brought a bunch with us and we were doing this cool forestry trail through the mountains to this awesome clear lake it was awesome little thing you know it was an hour and a half drive but up and down through these mountains and these forestry trails you know and i'm sitting in my little tacoma and uh, they start, I ate, I ate some on the start of the drive and sure as shit, my confidence really picked up and talk about <laughs> and hitting e-brake on the side of a mountain. You know, you look to your right, it's up mountain. You look to your left, it's like straight down and uh, you're, you're fishtailing it. down. <laughs> it was really bad and, and probably not a good idea, but I had a fucking blast. I got to say. So yeah, I just you wanted- might be a little bit overconfident, buddy. <laughs> little like I got this, and the next thing you know, I mean, it's a it's a hold my beer, watch this moment. Right? <laughs> <laughs> like I wouldn't personally. Oh, and I just want to say disclaimer: uh, no one on this podcast or myself is encouraging or saying that that is a wise idea or anyone should do that. It was just sharing. But you lived. <laughs> I did. <Yeah. laughs> oh. That was really awesome, and I gotta say, you know, that was that was some beautiful stuff being in those mountains, man. Uh, there was some magical, magical things going on. So, fantastic. Do you think we've pretty much covered apocalyptic type scenarios, or do you guys got anything else you want to add to this? Well, we got we took care of the sun, still air box, the substrate. Uh, we got some solar drying, brought the good shit with the car. We got some oven tech. Uh-huh. You know, trading guns. You know, do you guys ever use a, uh, a plastic garbage bag as a still air box? I have. Oh yeah, I I've done that with the contaminated stuff. Yeah, I've used a like a clear garbage bag, but I used it. I used a a torch, kind of like to fill it up like a hot air balloon, right? And then nice. zip tied. I put all my stuff in there, and then zip tied it closed. And I pushed in through the outside of the bag uh, to use it like a like a still air box. It worked phenomenally well, like really, really, really well. 
But uh, I just put sketchy shit in there. Like, hey, this looks a little weird. I also did it once. Uh, I was in I was in Dallas, and I was at this like kind of. Well, it was a reptile convention, you know, like for people trading snakes and shit. Ball pythons, yes. Yeah, yeah. and uh, I happen to know a few of the people that were also into mushrooms, and so we they brought petri dishes, and I brought petri dishes, and we kind of traded ah. stuff. So we needed to have somewhere to make a uh, like you know a trade, and so we went and we took the the liner out of the trash can, and uh, um, and the bottom of the trash can was another liner, you know, because like that's just how right, they do for it for backups. Yeah. 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 So I, I I took the one that was new and inflated it with just stupid little propane torch. I think it was used for lighting like cigarettes or bongs or whatever. And uh, just like a little hot air balloon, tied it up, zip tied it, and then we just did everything right there in like the Holiday Inn, you know, uh, just right there on the, the the little table next to the Bible. <laughs> just did everybody's everybody's little transfers. Everything was great, and uh, it worked out great. We had zero percent uh, uh, problems, no infections, anything like that. So it works out really well. Like just a trash can liner. As a still air box, as long as you fill it up with, as long as you fill it up with clean air, and that's why I was using the, you know, the torch. I'd like I didn't close the the trash bag and use a torch to inflate it. That would be a bad idea. You're you're gonna make it explosive. <laughs> but uh, what I did was hold it like hold the trash bag open, and hold the torch underneath it, and it just inflated it like a hot air balloon. Nice. Uh, it worked really, really well. Like it's something that I would totally do again on the road. All right. That's super. Looking for some questions here on the Discord. By the way, did we ever tell anybody about the Discord? Uh, I'm not an adult. I mean, no, no. Okay, guys. Guys. Join us on the FAFO cult. On uh, look for us on Discord. You can also always give us uh, a tip or so on our Venmo. It's FAFO Cult. It's at FAFO Cult, one word. On Venmo, if you want to throw a dollar our way, we very much appreciate it. We'll use it for nothing good. Um, promise to not do anything legal with it. Uh, well, I mean. <laughs> It'll probably just go to be paying paying for keeping this podcast on the air. Or cocaine hookers. Yeah, or cocaine and blow. And ice cream. And ice cream, yes. Definitely need to have the ice cream. But, uh, anybody else but, got uh, anything else to add to this? Well, any... hold on. That's what I was saying. We got the, we got the Discord. So now uh, we have something on there. If you guys have any questions that you want us to answer. I'm going through it right now. We, I, we When we were talking, we pretty much took care of most of the questions in our little apocalypse shit today. But, uh, I mean, we got the rab. Somebody asked us if uh, rabbit shit or other small household, uh, you know, animal treats were good for substrate. Yes. Yeah, rabbit food yeah. is amazing. And that their whole litter box is amazing. <laughs> Rabbits tend to only do in one corner. I see a so question on there is- also is what kind of things should I avoid using in a substrate mix? Okay, so when it comes to a substrate mix, some of the stuff you're going to want to avoid using is going to be anything high in salts. 
So anything that's like really high in like urine, urine is a lot of different salts put away. Uh, like peat, like if the horse peed on the substrate, stuff like that, you kind of want to avoid that. And you'll be able to tell by the poo if it forms that white bloom on the outside of it, that if it's older, that tells you that's high in salt. Salt crystals. Yeah, salt crystals. So those high in salts are pretty, pretty toxic to things. Um, and bacteria and fungi without rinsing them off first. But rinsing poo generally turns it into slush, and it just doesn't work very well. You can dilute it by adding that to more substrate. But you also want to avoid using substrate in places. Like if you're going to go out into your backyard and just wildcraft some substrate, you want to make sure that like the city hasn't sprayed for mosquitoes. You want to make sure that nobody's came along and sprayed that area for with weed killer, um, anything like that. Fertilizer, not a big deal. It just makes stronger, bigger weeds. But you can pretty much use almost any weed uh, that you could find in your backyard as a substrate. The broader the leaf, the weed, the more moisture it's going to hold on to. Think like... Uh, boiling spinach and it becomes like this big gelatinous mass whether versus like boiling straw or something and it keeps its individual pieces so you can use yeah you can just use some garden dirt and some amendments and as long as you keep it to where air can flow through it by using your straw your rabbit poo your guinea pig poo anything like that you're going to be okay uh Nice. There's so much stuff. There's such, as far as substrate goes, there's such a huge margin of error. And that's why I try to encourage people to fuck around and find out. And it's the name of the podcast. And there's so much stuff you can grow on that is beyond just CVG. Right. And, and along those same lines, we also had a question in the Discord is do different grains or substrate change the way a mushroom looks? No. Okay, it depends, uh, and that it's not talking about t- the water density, the water, and stuff yeah. like that. And I don't. Yes, think so. I think that I can grow golden teachers on a nutritional rich substrate, and then grow the same golden teachers on a CVG, and they're going to look different. They're going to be different in size, and maybe different in slightly color, and they're going to be different in potency. And that's just because the more um, nutrients they have, they're going to make bigger caps, uh, and they're going to be darker. What about density of of the fruit body? That's more more temperature, I think. Yeah, I think the density of the fruit body is temperature and water content. Because they inflate. Your pin, your little pin, has as much uh, actual tissue in it. As the, the entire mushroom. The number of cells, yeah. you mean. Yeah. Well, the let number me, of let cells me... in it. It just inflate like a balloon. Well, let me ask you this, right? So I was listening somewhere. I think it might have been home mycology or something, one of his, uh, you know, rants or whatever. Um, but he had mentioned something about adding uh, calcium hydroxide or uh, lime or whatever to your substrate, yeah. and it causes your stipes to become incredibly dense versus, like, incredibly hollow. You know, um, yeah, well, I'm, that's just I'm currently doing that in that 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 tub picture I, I posted earlier. Um, 
that's what that substrate's got in it. I, I put some of that in there. Um, so we're going to, uh, we'll see. I wanted to try that out myself because um, I, I personally enjoy uh, denser stipes. So let me drop uh, another one of my little secrets uh, on here. So people have made it this long. Here's one of my little secrets that I do to get really dense fruits is I go to the reptile uh, part of the store and I buy the what's called cricket dust. Yeah. And, uh, uh, for gut loading them. Yep. Yeah. It's yeah. for gut loading yeah. your crickets. It's got calcium in it, but it's a biologically available version of calcium and it's got vitamin D3 and it's got everything necessary for uh, any sort of biological life to process the calcium and make the calcium biologically available. I also, sometimes I'll use Tums, guys. Like crush up some Tums and throw it in there. Tum, Tum, Tums. Yeah, it's good. Tums is the, the only downside of it. They're not a sponsor. Yeah. Not a sponsor. But Tums, if you want to sponsor us, reach out, buddy. Reach hey, out. And Harbor Freight. But, and Harbor Freight, remember? And Harbor Freight. Harbor Freight, we will sell some shit for you. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> it's not going to be... Before the intended use, but by God, we'll sell some shit for you. So, uh, but so the cricket dust, man, it's just, it comes with a little tiny scoop, and the scoop is probably like a thirtieth of a freaking tablespoon, right? Little tiny scoop. You're talking like reptile and stuff, right? Yeah, for you sprinkle yeah, repti- crickets before you feed them frogs it. and lizards and stuff. I think it's actually Reptisure brand. I think that's literally the brand I use, Reptisure. You, wait, wait. You guys are talking about the shit you put in the bag and you shake the shit out of the cricket so it yeah. covers them? Yeah. So yeah. the animals eat them, they get that with that? Yeah. That's literally it. It, it's, it's vitamins biological. for reptiles. Well, I mean, it, it, it makes perfect sense. Like when I was bearding my beard, uh, I, I used to uh, breed bearded dragons. And uh, one of the big things when you get a gravid female um, you have to like supplement the shit out of their calcium because they yeah, spend yeah. They, they expel so much producing the eggs. So you well, have to take it from their bones. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Absolutely. Exactly. So that I mean, and again, that's that's what that's that's that's, that's fucking genius. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it makes so, it makes perfect fucking sense. Like, duh. Why so did I, I think of it? But I buy the cheap shit on Amazon. Um, okay. And bulk, and it comes in like a like a like an eight ounce container. An eight ounce container lasts a long fucking time. I use like so maybe say, one. So say, how much of that are you putting in a say a bag? One scoop per bag. The scoop is like a thirtieth. Yeah, the scoop is a little tiny fucking scoop. Like it's it's like a like a bump of cocaine scoop. Like it's a little bit. Wait, like, like, your, finger, like, like your a fingernail scoop. A cocaine yeah, fingernail just, fall. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> So for everybody out there who is not familiar with a very small little scoop, it's a bump's worth. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, yeah, it's a little, little bitty bit. But I add little... it to, uh, to my substrate instead of to my grains. And uh, it's got vitamin D3 and, and available, like, like a biologically available uh, way, and calcium. Uh, but it's got not just regular calcium, it's biologically available calcium, but it also has like a bunch of little micronutrients. I find that when the bags that I add that to, they are denser, they are larger. Uh, you don't get the hollow stems and stuff with it. Right. That's fantastic information. I mean, obviously I'm going to keep you all updated on how it went with the, uh, the calcium hydroxide that I put in there. So, um, I mean, as you can see from the mic though, I mean, that was four days, and I had a you know at least a half inch 
pseudo casing on it. You know, I just use, you know, plain substrate over the top of it, but I mean, it's tearing through it, you know, it's got, I mean, it's got, and, and, uh, you know, I put a erythritol in there. There's, there's, nice. you know, there's, there's a whole bunch of shit in there. Worm poo, Not you know, dirty to me, boy. <laughs> yeah, I love, I love, I love amended substrates. I'm a huge, huge fan of them. Love it, love it, love it, love it. When you're hearing other people putting stuff in their substrate, because they're going to be so much more successful. Um, as far as not just is it going to fruit, right? Because if you just want to make fruits, CVG is the way to go. It's fail proof. It's great. But if you're going to want to make something interesting out of your fruit. Then uh, doing a amended substrate is the way to go. I believe. I firmly believe that. I'll preach that shit like it's uh, religion. But uh, I've I mean, seen some. Even, even on it, it almost is at this point. Yeah. So short answer is substrate does have some effect on the, the way a fruit looks. <laughs> and and I, 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 I can vouch for that. We'll say it was on purpose, but it might have been an accident. Yes, I accidentally. It's just it's just the same kinda... thing as growing a fucker. Right. I I accidentally inoculated a woodlover's block with cubes before, and it did fruit, but they were weird looking. <laughs> <laughs> well, was they were it just a little? Confused. Was it the amended? Uh, they were. Was it the so... amended woodlover's blocks? Yes, it that, was like the... we make with the, with the alfalfa and everything. Yes, yes, it was. That's because the alfalfa has the nitrogen and the calcium and everything else necessary. Yeah, the, the fruits came out. I only got like four fruits off the entire block, and they were so dense you could almost not break them. I mean, they were almost like sticks of yeah. wood coming out. It was crazy. So uh, how much did you lose on the one that you dry them out? <laughs> not much. They almost stayed the same size. They were interesting. So basically, because, it was, because the environment you were growing them in was not suitable – it's basically like doing truffle tech. So is were they like bound up in like huge balls and shit? Yeah, they didn't even really form caps or anything. They were just like Yeah, so they were basically up. they were basically sclerotia on top of your block. Mm-hmm. Huh. Good old scrotums. I, like I bet you nice. you could grow truffles uh, shit hit the fan pretty easily, uh just off of harvesting the uh the grass seed. Which is not hard to do. All you got to do is have like a, like a, just like a bucket that you put a sawzall blade on and just swing the son of a bitch back and forth at, at, at waist height, and it's just going to scrape off. It won't cut the seed heads, but it'll scrape off all the stuff into the bucket. Mm-hmm. Interesting. In, in a survival situation, slave labor for it. Your little kitties. In, in yeah, a survival okay, situation or like that. Mowing yards is going to be the last thing people think about. Yeah. Well, you're going to turn it into animal feed, man. There's so much better ways for the grass to work than, you know. You're better off giving it to a rabbit who's going to give you a bag of substrate every day. Yeah. Rabbits are great. All right, gentlemen. Let's tie this particular one up. All righty. Anybody got some positive things to say today? Never. Ooh. Ooh, I got a lot of positive things. <laughs> all right. To all you listeners out there, listen. I love you all. If you're going through it, just know that it'll pass and it'll get better. 
and, uh, you know, get your mycology on and uh, much love to you all. Yeah. Beautiful, sir. Beautiful. Very nice. Amen, brother. All right, guys. Well, we love and appreciate each and every one of you. If you're going through something, like you said, you can always join our Discord and we can all talk about it. You've always got somebody to reach out to here. We can always get a hold of us. Suicide is never an option. It hurts everybody around you, not just yourself. We love you. Take care, guys, and we'll see you next time. Later.